You know, C.S. Lewis once said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. The way God speaks to us in our suffering is unlike anything else in our world if we listen. This year has been easily one of the most difficult years of our lives. With COVID-19, this pandemic, racial injustice and hostilities, hurricanes and other disasters all around us, so much pain, so much death, so much suffering. Is there anything we can gain from all of this suffering this year? I believe so. Suffering becomes a school for those who trust in Jesus. Some of life's most important lessons can be learned during these difficult seasons of our lives. If we listen, if we trust, if we hope in Him. You know, I want us to take us through some important lessons that we can learn so that we can learn what can be gained even through some of the most difficult years, seasons of our lives. Some important lessons in this school called suffering. First of all, you know, one lesson that we probably already know concerning suffering is that suffering is connected to pain. This is an obvious one, that suffering is painful. So we don't normally like it. But the pain of suffering is part of the consequences of sin entering our world. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, a consequence of that was pain entering this world through childbirth, in the workplace, in creation. Romans 8.22 reminds us, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. All of creation is groaning as if it's in a constant state of pain and suffering. And we are seeing how deep the curse of sin has impacted all of creation. Biology, cells, viruses, diseases, and even death. Creation is groaning and longing for the return of Christ and the restoration of all things. Verse 23, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, we have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We too groan, we too suffer, we too long to be free from this cracked and broken world. But that will only happen when Christ returns, when we'll be adopted and our bodies will be made new and we will finally be home. Verse 24 and 25 says, For in this we hope, uh, in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope at all. For what hope, uh, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what is not, if we, what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The only way we can get through this pain is when we have hope. I've learned the power of hope in the midst of pain in a very challenging way in my life and a very hard way. You know, back when I was in college, I remember it was Mother's Day because this happened right after I called my mom uh, to wish her a happy Mother's Day. Um, you know, we also are we're finishing up our college semester and our small group ministry time. And so I took my uh, co-leader out um, for dinner to celebrate the end of our semester. And uh, I borrowed my friend's scooter and I may have gotten um, 
I may have been going a little bit fast because I was getting pulled over by a cop. But as I was pulling over uh, my, the scooter, um, there was a area that had a lot of gravel because there was a building under construction that was right next door. And as I was slowly um, moving my scooter there and applying the brakes, suddenly because of all the gravel, the scooter flipped from under. And then all of my weight and my co-leader's weight hit my knee and then we skid on my um, elbow. And then I remember just falling on the ground, rolling over in extreme anguish and pain. And then um, what intensified it was then my, my uh, co-leader, luckily she was okay because she got up, dusted off all herself, and then she asked, Eddie, is that your knee? And then I looked and then I could see my kneecap was completely exposed. One of my knees was, all the skin was ripped off. And then that intensified the pain for some reason. It made it hurt worse as I saw it now screaming in anguish. And then the cop comes over and he goes, can I see your license and registration? And obviously not very compassionate. And so I lean over and give him my license. And then um, he goes, don't worry, I called the ambulance. So the ambulance takes me to the hospital and I was in the emergency room and you know there were a number of other people there so I was in a bed and uh, there was a curtain uh, dividing the other beds that other people were lying down in and the um, you know the doctor comes in and he comes in very very somber he goes Eddie I'm sorry but we're gonna have to amputate your leg I shoot up from my bed and say what he goes oh I'm just kidding and uh, you know looking back I realize you know I maybe should have sued this guy for trauma or something but it was a not a very funny joke to me but the people all around me on the other beds divided by the curtains they were like laughing and dying of laughter which I did not appreciate but anyway so he basically uh, needs to cut around you know the area that got um, exposed because there's a lot of gravel and things like that and so he needs to stitch it up so as he's he says you know I'll have to put some local anesthetic on your knee for you so as he's doing this, I'm like, oh, he goes, oh, you could feel this? I'm like, yeah. He goes, let me uh, put some more anesthetic in. So he, you know, gives me another shot and he begins to cut away. And I'm like, oh, he goes, you could still feel that? I'm like, yes. He gives me some more. And then he starts rubbing and wiping and cutting away. I'm like, oh, he goes, you could still, feel I'm sorry. I, I, I legally, I can't put any more anesthetic in that area. And so you're going to just have to endure the pain. And then he started cutting and wiping, clipping and sewing and stitching. And I was, I was like, oh, I, it was so painful. It was one of the most unbearable moments of pain I've ever experienced. But do you know what? The only thing that got me through, as painful as it was, the literally the only thing that I could think of was a year from now, I will not be experiencing this pain. That was the only way I could get through this pain. That was a small picture of the power of hope. You know, the only way that I went through that pain was hoping that one day this would be no more. And we will be con continually connected to pain and suffering because this world is fallen under the curse of sin. But also as believers, we are connected to suffering in a very unique way because our leader is called the suffering servant. Jesus is referred to the suffering servant in Isaiah. 
And that is the way of the cross. That is the way of suffering. As long as we live in this sin-cursed, broken world, we will continue to face suffering and pain. So do we sulk and complain about it? Because we realize, oh my goodness, we live in a fallen world. Suffering is connected to pain anyway. How are we as Christians called upon to view the pain that comes into our lives? We need to learn a couple of other things about suffering if we are going to go through it properly. Another lesson that we learn in this school of suffering is that suffering is not only connected to pain, but also suffering is connected to a process. Suffering is connected to a process for us. In James chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfected and perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So James says, count it all joy when you suffer in all different kinds of ways, when you go through suffering. Now that's kind of weird. What a strange guy to say this. Strange guy. He's either out of his mind or he's able to see something that is out of this world. And he's able to see it through the lens to process how this world is supposed to be lived. James can say this because he's able to see a purpose of suffering that many people do not see. He says in verse 3, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. All of suffering is connected to a process of revealing or testing true faith. Trials are a test to show where your faith is really at. Is it strong? Is it able to handle storms? Or is it weak and not yet ready to handle the winds of this harsh world? In essence, it is showing us how much we trust God and how much we treasure Him in this world. How deep are your foundations? Are you grounded in God where the foundation of your life is rooted in his word? Or do we have weak roots so that we are knocked over when the storms of life come? You see, sometimes God will bring in a struggle into our lives to show us our faith is not as strong as we think it is. You see, suffering reveals the quality and the depth of our faith. You see, in sunshine, when everything is going our way, when health is good and relationships are good and there's no virus and there's no pandemic and finances are fine, you'll never know the true quality of your faith because everybody can enjoy those days. It is only in struggle when we experience suffering and resistance that we see if our faith muscles are developed yet. You know, I had a, a good friend um, in... Uh, the church that I was pastoring at when I was in Sydney, Australia. And, you know, I would lead short-term summer uh, mission teams to different parts of the world. And one time I led this team uh, to Thailand. And part of the training and part of the discipline of going on a short-term mission trip uh, that I practice 
um, for my team is exercises and also memory verses. So they are required, we're required to memorize a verse a day. And if you can't memorize it or if you make mistakes, you do push-ups. And, um, you know, so we would go through this routine every morning, uh, prayer, devotional, memory verses, and if they do it, exercise, push-ups, all these things like that. And as we were getting close to the end of our mission trip, I think it was like literally the day before we leave, um, one of our team members, her name was Melissa, she started to get uh, chains in her pat, her chest, pains in her chest, and um, she was getting very concerned. And she's like, Eddie, I think I need you to go to the hospital. I don't know if something's wrong with my heart. And so we took her to the emergency. Um, she got testing done and all these things like that. And as we're waiting for the results of the test, uh, she's very worried and concerned. She says, Eddie, you know, the team is supposed to leave back for Australia tomorrow, but if if this turns out to be serious and I have to stay, you're not going to leave me, are you? I go, no, don't worry about it. You know, I'll stay or I will make sure that somebody's here next to you during this uh, time until you're all better. So don't worry. You know, if this is serious, we'll take care of you. Uh, we're going to stay. Don't worry. We're not going to abandon you. And the doctor um, comes back and he goes, you know, um, these test results all turn out negative, thankfully. And uh, we're like, do you know what the problem is? And he goes, well, it, it appears that she seems to have uh, sore muscles on her chest and shoulders. Um, and it turned out it is because Melissa never exercised before the trip. She never did this many push-ups before in her life, and her muscles were sore. That's why she had chest pain. Now, um, you know, I'm thankful that we could all laugh at this situation, that it wasn't serious, but um, our faith muscles do... Uh, parallel, in a parallel way, reflect our physical muscles in a lot of ways. That if we don't exercise our faith muscles, uh, if we don't take steps of faith to truly believe God and His Word uh, during difficult times, then if we never do that, our faith muscles stay weak. And um, they don't really grow as strong as they need to be. But when we are called upon to exercise our faith in God and His Word, and to trust Him, His character, and His promises, then our faith muscles begin to contract and begin to get stronger as we grow in this way as well. So you see, these opportunities of resistance, of testing, that James is referring to, they reveal how strong we really are in our faith. If our, if our muscles are never tested, they would never grow strong. So suffering reveals faith. It shows our true colors. But suffering is also a process that not only reveals our faith, it also refines our faith. Look at um, James 1, verse 3 and 4. He says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And verse 4, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So there is something that happens in us, in our faith during trials, that produces something stronger in our faith. If you look at Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, um, Paul says this. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces 
hope. So when in the fire of affliction, we combine that with faith in God, God forms character, God forms maturity, God forms faithfulness, growth, and gold in you. So that's one of the powerful and productive things that God is doing when we trust Him during difficult seasons of our lives. And there's another process that is involved in our suffering when we look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. Peter says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Suffering allows us to share in the sufferings of Christ. You see, suffering is a process of walking with Jesus in order to become like Jesus, drawing you closer to Jesus. It is a process of making us more like Jesus in faith, in hope, in love, and in character. You see, a primary aim of suffering is to draw you to Christ, to the place of desperation and dependence and prayer. James 5.13, he says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. And I think we're all going through a season of suffering during this COVID time. And God's word for us right now is, as you suffer, grow in prayer. As you suffer, learn to pray. Learn to depend on me. Learn to trust me more during this season. What are we to do when life hurts? Pray, enter his presence, dwell with him, depend upon him, vent to him, cry out to him. Are you frustrated? Pour out your frustration to God. Are you grieving and mourning? Do that in the presence of God. It's one of the great gifts of suffering, drawing us into a deeper, intimate place with God. And most importantly, suffering is a process of teaching us and giving us opportunities to magnify Christ as supreme in our lives. A key lesson we learn is that seasons of sufferings can also be seasons of grace. They can also be gifts of grace. How so? It is a gift to be able to flex and strengthen our muscles of magnifying Christ as more precious and supreme than anything else in our lives. That opportunity is a gift of grace. It is an opportunity to show the world how much we love Jesus Christ. You know, I read a report about a mother from North Korea who defected and was sent back to North Korea She and her five-year-old son were in prison, and the guard started to kick and beat the mom and the son. But the only thing the mother did was to cover over her son so that she could take the beatings until she died. She shielded her son. What was she doing? She was loving her son. No one wants to be beaten. No one wants to suffer, but it was in that time of pain 
her love for her son shine through brightly to those who are watching. That is what suffering does. It gives us an opportunity to tell the world, but most of all to tell Jesus, Jesus, I love you. I love you more than the season of suffering. I love you more than COVID-19. I love you more than comfort. I love you more than just wanting to go back to a normal life. I love Jesus more than my loss, than this pandemic, than my comfort. I love Jesus more than any relationship, more than any opportunity. It is an opportunity of faith to say, Jesus, I love you more than anything. I long for you more than anything. To be home, to be at home with you, that is a gift of grace that seasons of suffering give to us. To flex our muscles of faith that Jesus, I trust you in this difficult time, but also I love you in this difficult time, and I love you more than this difficult time. So in this school of suffering, Yes, suffering is connected to pain. It is connected to an incredible process of revealing faith and refining faith, drawing us closer to Jesus. And there is one more important lesson on suffering that I want to share with you today. That is, suffering is connected to a presence, a gift. Suffering is connected to many presence and gifts. You see, gifts in the life to come, but also gifts for the here and now. Look at James chapter 1 verse 12. He says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he or she has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. There are blessings that await those who remain faithful under trial. For when that person has passed the test, stayed faithful, stayed trusting of God during this painful time, he or she will receive the crown of life. Those who pass the test will receive a glorious presence a gift, a crown of life, an eternal reward. But what does that mean to pass the test when we suffer? James reveals it at the end of verse 12. He says, to those who love him. To pass the test during trials means loving Jesus through the trial. You love him. Though you suffer loss, though you suffer betrayal, though you suffer much inconvenience and pain. You love him still. You trust him still. You treasure him still. You hold on to him still. Because he is greater. He is your greatest treasure. He is your greatest joy. He is your highest pursuit and deepest longing for more of him. For him more than comforts. Revelation chapter 2 verse um, 10 says this, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. 
Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. For, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. So holding on to Jesus through the test of trials will be rewarded on Judgment Day and for all of eternity. There are some... You know, there are some of these presents that are promised to his people who go through pain. There are some promises and presents that God promises that those who endure deep suffering and loss. But gifts are not only connected to suffering for the afterlife, they're also connected to the here and now. One of the greatest gifts that suffering gives to us is to peel off our fingers from holding on to this world and to hope in Christ, our eternal hope and our eternal home. When I experienced deep loss in my life, the loss of beloved family members and friends, when I see my friends lose their loved ones, their precious daughters and sons, when I see friends whose daughters are losing their hearing, when I see friends whose sons are fighting leukemia, when I see people lose their parents because of old age or even because of this COVID-19 crisis, when we see the brokenness of this world in stark reality, when I go through all of these things, it made me let go of wanting to hold on to this world. It made me long for heaven when sin, sickness, death are no more. Suffering gives us the gift of proper eyesight. Suffering gives us the gift of eternal perspective. To see this world as it really is, Fallen, broken, hurting, temporary. A place of sorrows, a place of grief, a place of constant goodbyes. Suffering shows us that this world is not our home. It is not worth living for as a primary purpose of life. It gives us the gift of proper eyesight to see heaven as our true home that this kingdom is eternal. This kingdom of God is what will last forever. That this kingdom of God is what matters most in this world and forever. This kingdom of God is worth living for both now and forever. You see, anything that keeps our eyes on eternity is a gift. Anything that puts people... Uh, people and places and life into a proper perspective. That is a gift of grace for our lives. You know, my uh, 12 years that I pastored in Korea, they were really good, but also really hard. I was able to see a lot of fruitfulness in ministry, laws changed through our justice ministry efforts. I was able to uh, see great fruitfulness also in writing ministries with books published, published and things like that. But I also suffered deep loss. Uh, lost a child, experienced intense warfare, experienced intense 
opposition because of the justice we are pursuing, I experience so much pain, loss, suffering, betrayal. And yet one of the greatest gifts that those years of intense suffering in Korea gave me was the ability to let go of wanting to hold on to this world. You know, I used to be really into gadgets, um, technology, the latest thing. It's nice, but um, it's not as big of a deal anymore. You know, I'm not really as into uh, getting the latest and greatest anymore. It doesn't really bring the same thrill as it once did. I used to say, you know, I really want to go to this country or that city, you know, um, but not as much anymore. Why? Because I know that heaven, my eternal home, will be much better, and for all of eternity, I'll have plenty of time to visit these places. But also, it helps that COVID, with this COVID thing, I definitely don't want to get on an airplane anytime soon either. Um, I used to say, you know, I, I have to try this restaurant in this city. I used to be a really strong foodie and want to try out this place and that place. But it's not, I still love food. I still appreciate food. I still, I'm, I'm growing to actually appreciate and grow in my cooking during this COVID lockdown. Uh, but it's not as it was before. Why? Because I know that the food in heaven will be far better. And I'll be able to ask my loved ones where their favorite places are in heaven and they will be able to show me so many greater things and I long for that day even more you know I think I'm really ready to leave this broken world at any time and that is a gift that suffering has given to me and I don't say this you know as a depressing thing or pessimistic but as one who suddenly has an eternal perspective longing and looking to my eternal home keeping my eyes on my eternal reward that awaits me when Christ returns. Anything that will lessen our love for this fallen world and increase our longing for Christ and His return, that is a gift for our faith. That is a gift of grace. And you see, God will allow into our lives suffering and even the work of Satan to do just enough to accomplish the opposite of what Satan actually wanted to accomplish. You see, Satan's aim in suffering is for you to detach from God and to weaken your faith in him. But God's aim, when suffering comes, God's aim is for you to detach from this world and to hold on to him more. James Noble Mackenzie was a Scottish-American missionary to the New uh, Hebrides people in the South Pacific, now known as Vanuatu. Uh, back in the late 1800s, he was a missionary to this group. His time there as a pioneer missionary was hard, living in a jungle area seeking to translate a new Bible, a Bible into a new language, but also he would contract a lot of new diseases while he was there. In the 15 years serving there, his wife died of sickness, and soon afterwards he too contracted a serious sickness and had to leave. He went through years of suffering, years of sickness, and years of loss. Uh, after recovering in Australia, he really wanted to go back to Vanuatu uh, because that's where his heart was. But his mission board wouldn't let him, um, stating health issues. He said, for your health, it is not safe for you to go back there. 
Instead, they sent him to South Korea uh, in 1910. And he was really sad at first. He was really disappointed uh, because he really wanted to go back there to Vanuatu. But he obeyed. And upon his arrival, arrival, he began um, serving the leper colonies in the southern parts of Korea. He also shared the gospel, demonstrating the gospel, loving on people, uh, as well as planting churches. One of the people he shared the gospel to was my great-great-grandfather. And then he took um, my great-great-grandfather's son, my great-grandfather, under his wing, and they began ministering together, setting up churches in Korea, starting up ministries. And it was through his ministry that one of the very first missionaries in Korea that my family um, that my family received the gospel more than 100 years ago. It was through this ministry uh, of James um, McKenzie uh, that we were able to know Christ. But also, it was through his suffering, his sickness in another island that led him to Korea. God redirected his life through that season of suffering from Vanuatu to South Korea, to our family, and then later to me. He didn't want to leave that island at first, but God used that suffering and sickness to guide him. And it was because of his sickness and suffering that salvation came to our, our family five generations ago. And so I'm able to stand before you uh, preaching today the Word of God because of the suffering that God brought into the life of James McKenzie. And so I'm able to thank God for the life, ministry, but also suffering of James Noel McKenzie. God uses our pain, our sickness, and our suffering, our loss, in ways that we could never imagine to serve his purposes in mysterious but also majestic ways that will bring him glory in the end. Therefore, people of God, trust in him during this season of suffering and pain. Learn to flex faith muscles that will trust him but also cherish him more than whatever it is we want. Comfort, a normal routine again, all of these things. This is a sacred and special and very unique season. An opportunity to demonstrate faith, to hope in him and to love Christ more than anything else. So people of God, put your hope in Him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for Your goodness and grace in our lives. That even if we suffer, You are good. Even though we go through pain and seasons of trials, we can hope in You. That this is even grace. A chance to hope in you, a chance to trust in you, a chance to declare in the depths of our hearts and being, Jesus, I love you more. I want to love you more. More than I have before, but also more than anything else I could hope for or want in this world. 
And God, during this pandemic as well, we do pray for an end to this as soon as possible. We do pray for a vaccine and cure as soon as possible. But more than that, God, we pray that during this season, as you are reminding us of how fallen this world is, how broken this world is, how temporary this world is, let it be used to transform the eyes of your people to see life as short, to see life as temporary, and to see the kingdom as eternal and worthy to be lived for, that we would seek first your kingdom, your righteousness during this time. And God, let this time also be a time where we point others to the frailty and the shortness of life so that we can point people to the hope of Christ. That instead of being depressed and fatalistic during this season, we would be hope-filled, knowing that all of this is showing us that Christ's return is coming soon. So let us get ready for that return. Let us get ready to go home. Because Jesus, we long for you and we long to go home. Let that be the greatest lesson that we grow in during this season. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.